Hi. Hello. Hello. How you doing? So good. Wonderful. Welcome back to the Wine About Birth podcast. We are three birth professionals. And best friends. And we're here to talk about what it's really like to live in the world of birth. Meredith's not here. It's not all glitter and rainbows. Or as we like to say, it's a lot more shit than giggles. I'm Kim Haynes, midwife at a busy birth center and small home birth practice. I'm Jessica McKee. I'm a doula for clients in and out of the hospital and a birth assistant at that same said out of hospital practice. Meredith's not here, but we do have someone else with us. Yes, yes. we do. <laughs> really? Who are you? Oh, hello. I am Linda Steffen. I am Kim Haynes' mother, and I am also a CNM. Well, actually, I am a midwife also. You are a CNM. I Certified am a Certified nurse midwife. Your mama. It's my mama. <laughs> it is your mama. Yeah, we decided to interview my mom today. She it's didn't really have a whole lot of choice in the matter. No, no, it was really kind of against my wishes, but... It was not informed consent. She said... I've never done this before. And I was like, hey, we're going to take your podcasting virginity yes, today. We are. <laughs> and I'm afraid it might be painful. Do you even listen to our podcast? I've heard a few of them. <laughs> That's a no. Well, what what do you think about them? Is that why you're wearing the shirt you're wearing? What does it say? Um, so my shirt says, for my daughter, which ever since she was 14, she has been an interesting woman. You were going to say a pain in my ass. I was, but I did not. And so this shirt says what I've been saying since she was 14. When she did something inappropriate or loud or obnoxious, it says, I did not raise her to be that way. Do you feel like that you were saying that every day or was it like a weekly? Um, every time I looked at you. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so opposite. Yeah, somehow we're so similar now. I think that's why we're soulmates, Kim, because my mom says that to me all the time. Yeah. Like, where did you come from? But my you don't have the t-shirt. That's true. She that's would true. not wear that I don't know if she'd wear it. Mm -mm. My mom has trouble saying the word penis, and I'm just like, la, 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 penis, 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 <laughs> vagina, vagina, vagina. Well, I mean, I raised my daughter to be the way she is, so yeah. that's, I take total, total fault. Yeah. And that is really scary. It is really scary. Don't ever take her to Walmart. And so, speaking of that, today we wanted to interview because Kim is a second-generation midwife because you're a certified nurse, mi certified nurse midwife. Kim's a certified professional midwife. And uh, like we said in one of the last episodes, Evie has also has the dream of becoming a midwife. Oh, my God. She would be... I, I'm trying not to, like... Latch on to that yeah, too yeah. much. Yeah, yeah. She talks about it all the time, but yeah. I'm convinced that watching us work the way we work she's never gonna want because when we lived in florida so when i moved to florida to go to midwifery school you followed me yeah because matt was down there um my and brother. brian and kyle uh, so our whole family was down there so she was working as a midwife in the hospital while i was going to school yeah to be a midwife out of the hospital and watching what you were doing i was like why am i doing this like her phone would just <laughs> ring all the time and it was like you know, you could say, like, no, you can't take that. Yes, you can take a Benadryl. No, you can't have Sudafed extra strength. Yeah, and I'm like, Ma, don't you want another job? <laughs> like, wouldn't you like to quit? We're self-sabotaging. I know. As birth workers. So can we start with, like, tell us a little bit about yourself, besides that you're my mama. Um, you're a CNM. Yes. So can you tell us about, like, how you started out on labor and delivery and then how you, why you decided to be a midwife? I could do that. Um, so years ago, I went to nursing school and started on labor and delivery, loved it. And then the hours got a bit much because I had four children. So one of the doctors um, from labor and delivery rescued me and took her into her practice, and I became her nurse. And so I would do that for a few years, get bored, go back to labor and delivery, get bored, back and forth, back and forth. And then finally, one of the doctors said, why don't you just become a midwife? And I'm like, why not? <laughs> okay. <laughs> then I can have the best of both worlds. And you're one of the weird people of the world that loves school, which I never understood. Yeah, I did I love hate school. school. I love school. I love book reports. I love doing this work. Ugh. Well, the other thing was is being in labor and delivery, it was kind of like a one-night stand. You get to see the final product and the fun and the excitement, yes. but you don't get to know the person. Right. So while you're in the office... 
you get to know the person, you That's bond true. with them, you know their families, first names and everything, and then you don't get to see the final hurrah. You're not there. Wait, there's got to be a happy medium. Right. So midwifery was a perfect medium. I do like that final hurrah. <laughs> I do also. <laughs> she came to she came to completion when she became a midwife and got to see the <laughs> that final was the hurrah. Yes, her, that's the what it was of her journey. So, I got to be on the woman's whole journey. So not bits and pieces. Like, <laughs> our, I think the women in our family are stupid strong. So I remember you were working nights, and somehow working nights and going to school because you you can't become a midwife without going to school and then somehow there was always dinner mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying like the house was clean somehow she was doing all of this yeah and now i'm like how because i can't do it without alcohol and she says and i did all that without <laughs> alcohol like how crazy with four kids four small kids you're going to oh school you're gosh. working nights you're you know and and you're going to be a, a professional at staying up all night and being called and bothered for the rest of your life so how was that was that worth it <laughs> um, first of all, I don't remember how I did it. She blocked that out. It just happened. Yes. And kind of like your four kids. Yeah. Kind of like my four kids. They just happened. But, you know, I just don't know. It just felt like inside it was the right thing to do. And also my births were not warm and fuzzy oh, and yeah. friendly. Tell us about how were your births? Well, you, Kimberly, yeah. were ripped out of my body by high forceps. That's why I am the way I am today. Oh. Yeah. And then they dropped me into a drawer, right? Yes, they did. Pump. See what? what I mean? Yeah, I was a high forcep baby. I think I ripped her from head to toe. Oh, yeah. I sat on a donut for like eight weeks. Ugh. They told me I'd be back to normal, but I still wonder. Yeah. <laughs> no, nope, that's my vagina back there. That's it's it. It's trailing it's behind fine. me. It'll, it'll catch up I'm eventually. not a T-Rex. That's just uh, <laughs> my pelvic floor back there. That's fine. <laughs> and then, But you had all natural, all medication-free. Unmedicated. births. I did get a um, spinal block for the forceps, but other than that. Oh, they did at least do that. Yeah. Oh. I don't I don't remember that part of yes. my birth story. I kind of sort of remember them doing it, but I mean, they that said it was horrible. It was horrible. Did they say why they didn't just C-section you? Because they don't do really do high force. Uh, you anymore. know, when when I was going through delivering all my babies, I wasn't a nurse. I wasn't a midwife. So I never asked questions. Right. Like most people. Yes. So that's so weird. Now, in retrospect, you should have been a C-section. Yeah. You were almost nine pounds. I started out as like 110 pounds. You were so tiny. And it doesn't mean you, anything. No, I know it doesn't, <laughs> but she wasn't really coming out. She would not have come out. You would well, not have come out. Well, you also had preeclampsia, right? Because yeah. you gained like 70 pounds or something. 60. God. Crazy. And most likely also gestational diabetics. But I didn't ask questions and they didn't tell me anything. And here I am, alive and well. And yeah, I don't know how you well are. you are, I but <laughs> you are here. Well, now that we know I was four sipped out and dropped yeah. in the drawer, it all makes sense. So you watched your mom do that. You got so, and you have more strength than like other people that I know for sure. I I've always, naturally. I've always uh, really liked that about you. But you also went through crazy rough stuff going through school after yeah. watching that. I mean, and for the like really intense part you were pregnant so you weren't using alcohol either because no, you were wasn't. pregnant with Evie. It was horrible. <laughs> that was the worst part. I just wanted to drink. I just want to say mothers do not need alcohol. No, they don't. They don't. But I am it. convinced that mothers <laughs> figured out if you accidentally leave your kids grape juice out for too long and then try to drink it you suddenly feel better. Yes. So. So I want to talk a little bit because you guys are both midwives. But you um, have very different experience in the midwifery journey. Yeah. And so, Linda, you have always worked in the hospital yes, being I a have. midwife. And you never had any experiences with out of the hospital until you went to Haiti with Kim, which we'll, t we'll talk about those stories. But you were saying something in there about how when she started becoming a midwife, <laughs> you were like... It was hard for you to be like, how is this? What did you say about her? <laughs> well, my whole family calls her the ditzy blonde. Yeah, yeah. That's fine. And you, what did you say? You're so airy. How is this person? You're an airhead. You're such an airhead. How is this person possibly going to do any good? Or and something? everyone in the family was like, uh, so Kim's going to be like responsible for <laughs> delivering babies? How is this even going to happen? She's going to keep people alive? <laughs> That's so weird. Well, you don't really keep people alive. It's more like... 
you're there to prevent them from dying if something true. bad happens. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But it's funny because we, so you're the same way. Like I tell, I tell people, like people describe you as a light, but when, when you meet my mom, it's like, we come off as these like, duh, because we're so happy. Like we're such yeah. happy people that we come off as like idiots, but we're not. It's just, we're, and Emily's the same way. Meredith's the same way. You're, you're not so much airy. I'm not airy. No, you're not an airy person. <laughs> so then people start to talk and they're like, oh, you're not an idiot. Mm. I see now. You're just bubbly. But yeah. Well, I delivered Lori's baby. Yes, you did. And her parents were sitting there. And when I walked in the room, they both looked at me like, not her. <laughs> not this person. <laughs> I've known her for years. Isn't she the one that was drunk dancing on the bar at the party last weekend? That was no. not me. <laughs> Please. <laughs> My mom was dancing naked well before I was. She says she didn't raise me to be this way, but that is total I think crap. she did. I think she did. I think you just like help you ha- you like hide some of your craziness. Uh, yeah. okay. Kim just like let it she just let it loose I early. Let it shine. I let it shine. That's what I do. But oh, what do we do last night? But now night? she's being the opposite most of the time. Yeah, we had so much fun last night. So we went dancing. We went out to the brewery. We would listen to Robbie Lyman. Yes. Danced to eighties music. Oh, yeah. it was so much fun. Ren got on stage at the brewery, which is yes. adorable. I love and it saying when they do uh that. country roads. Yes. So cute. So cute. Um so we're more alike then. We are literally the same human being. We just are different also. I don't know. I have trouble seeing that sometimes. Okay, well, open your (laughs) eyes, Mom. Open your eyes. She'll call me and be like, I can see it with my third eye. I can see it. What is that stuff you give people? What is the stuff, the purple, the bruise? I'm like, Arnica? She's like, yeah, thanks. Add that to my tab. (laughs) And then I'll call her and be like, what medication do you recommend? And then she'll say this. Add that to my tab. I'm sending a picture of a vulva. How would you suture this? Is this? Can I fix this on my own? And the mother said it was okay for me to send this to you. So it's so awesome to have like the opposite midwife. We're we're so different in practice, but I think that whether you like it or not, we are way more similar in spirit than... For sure. That's why I love both of you <laughs> so, so much. So can we, can you, can we ask her about like her vision before? Yeah. She... So what was your vision bef- when you were going to become a midwife? What was your vision of how you were going to help people? What it was going to be like? Because I hear a lot of stories from a lot of nurse midwives that say, I really envisioned this, but then here I am in the hospital instead, or here I am doing that. So how did you see yourself practicing and then versus how you are? Truthfully, I envisioned what you were doing. Yeah. But I was in a hospital setting. There was no opportunity to be outside of a hospital setting. So I never experienced that. So I got so used to having everything there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So or I a think, button, like for the doctor. Right, a button for Code Pink and a, you know, a button for the doctor if this wasn't working out very well. So... I really relied on medical. On the medical, yeah. yeah. Well, you said a little bit earlier that you got, like, socialized into... I was socialized into medicine. Mm-hmm. Do you have, a, like, a... It's so creepy. You remember everything I say. She mm. does remember everything. I do that. <laughs> she does that. <laughs> I'm like an elephant. I never forget. <laughs> it's really weird. Unless I drink enough tequila, and then I happen to forget. Um, can you describe a little bit about, like what that process is like or is it just being around it all the time you just it's like okay this is the way things are is it hard to see that there's still another side out there or you know there's another side out there I know there's another side out there but it's really hard to explain it was just so easy to rely on everybody else yeah and and the whole community didn't want me to be anything different gotcha so, you know, no C-section, let's labor for 12 hours, push for four. What? You can't do that. Yeah. You have two hours and the clock is ticking. Your time starts And then now. you get stressed and anxious and it's not, you know, processing and going well or going as quick. Yeah. It's not going as quickly as the medical so there's wants it. So it's like social pressure. Social pressure. Because it's if you start doing, I mean, you have to follow the protocols for right. the doctors you work with. But, right. But should you want to step aside a little bit and give a little more leeway, then then they want everyone to do that. Then everyone's, every, all midwives are expected to do that. Like, then you're that one that gives people what they want. Like, did you ever feel like, I can't give you what you want. I know I can do it, but they're going to look down on me for it. 
so I can't. It depends on what practice I was in. Um, I, in Florida, when I practiced, they would let me do whatever. I mean, I was in my underwear in the shower with the woman. They didn't care. <laughs> yes. Love it. But, um, <laughs> you know, it was a lot different. Remember when there. we were in the hot tub last night without our underwear? Yeah, I do. Naked, Naked hot, tub. hot tubbing. Do, do, and she do. says we're not the same. Aww. You're, you just got to just come to grips with it. Okay. I you, think it's so interesting talking about the... Um, how different practices have the different social stigmas because it's so interesting to me to think that there would be this culture of not wanting to give women what they want or it's like why would it be bad if you do something a little bit different and the mom has a good experience like it's so interesting to me how that it's like but that's not how we do things here um, how it becomes that way so I would approach each birth as you girls do it's not me. It's all about the woman. Mm -hmm. What does she want? What does her partner want? And let's go from there. Yeah. And in a hospital setting, you can do that yeah. to a point. Mm -hmm. And then that and point's that done. And I feel you have to <laughs> move on. Move on. <laughs> I feel like um, because I got to come be with you in the hospital, which is really awesome Like to watch. Like you had your babies with us? No, Chris never do and that. Oscar. Um, that yes, no. I mean, watching you as a midwife. Oh yes. Sorry. So like, I never understood why you would want to work in the hospital. You know, remember that one time I came in to see you on labor and delivery, and the doctor was being a dick, and I yelled at her. Hmm. And then you were like, "Oh my god!" Also, I wish I could do that. But yes, I'm not going to. But you're a lot less confrontational than Kim is. I do not like confrontation. Kim will just walk oh. into a room. I do it stealthily. Like, Kim will be like. Well, you're a giant dick. Let's get that out of the way, and then we'll talk about something First else. First off, you're an asshole. <laughs> Secondly, my mom's like, oh, my God. I do have to say, I've worked with some amazing doctors. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And they let me push the envelope, and m most of the time, it came out just fine. Yeah. Not, the baby came out there. just fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but when I saw you working, when I got, it, it's kind of like when you saw me in Haiti. Like, when I saw you... Because I never get to watch you do your job because why would I, why would we be working at the same time or at all? So when I got to come work with you in the hospital, it was so cool to see how you made hospital birth awesome because there are awesome providers. So you don't get to be with the mom for the whole time, but that time that you were with them, they would just light up like, mm -hmm. oh, Linda's here. And they would be so happy and you would just chit chat with the dads. And then you help the dad catch his baby uh, that time that's, I was there. That always makes me cry. Yes. When the dads cry, I cry. Me too. Aww. That's what I always say. I don't cry for the mom, no. but I'll cry when the dads cry. It's so emotional. <laughs> so I'm like, you are bringing light into, into a hospital and and there are a lot of midwives and some doctors that do that. But if they could all do it, the hospital would be just as amazing for birth as anywhere else. Yeah. But that's why I was there. Yes, it was. So I wanted to take a little aside that's not about you guys because okay. I feel like this is what? the perfect opportunity to do that. Well, we're enjoying talking about ourselves. I know. And you're going to go right back to talking about yourself. But I just wanted to talk a little bit about how one person can make such a huge change yes so we have someone who listens to our podcast named taylor hey, shout out taylor yes. um and she works in labor and delivery in canada and she works at a high-risk hospital um so they have you know a lot of moms that need a lot more help than like the population of women me and kim serve um and so she's been keeping in touch with us because she said she's learned a lot from our podcast and she's been trying to use it in her practice. So at first she just started using it with individual patients and she would text us and be like, I had this patient and this was happening and it wasn't working. So I tried this thing you talked about on this episode and then she had a vaginal birth and it was amazing. And we're like, oh my gosh, in Canada. That's yeah. Awesome. <laughs> but she just sent us a message um, this week and she was talking about how she was having so much success with like the things that she's been learning from our podcast that the other the other people in the hospital started getting excited and asking questions and now they've hired a whole new person specifically to work on this they have a position peanut ball position of the week they're like making they all hang it up on a board yeah and for like every tell us how your experience was yeah and so they've been trying all these new things and she said that since they've been doing that their c-section rate even in a high-risk population has dropped dramatically yeah people are getting didn't excited they didn't have a single c-section however many they weeks hadn't had a single unplanned c-section yeah th 
so she was talking about how they've been using less Pitocin because people are having more going into labor easier, even with inductions. Um, and so it was so. But she she was one person one who got person. the whole her whole labor and delivery excited. And now there's all these changes. So it only really takes one person and excitement person. and confidence. And I yep. love that. It's so amazing. I am so excited. Thanks to Taylor, it's like now all of these women are going to have a better yeah. birth. And so I feel mm-hmm. like that's what you were doing, you know, for the women. And midwives do that in the hospital. That's why we have midwives exactly. in the hospital. Yeah. So I, I just think it's important to talk about how, like, don't downplay yourself in the, not that you would do that, you're doing that. I'm saying to general, everyone out there, don't downplay the change that you can make if you're excited and confident. Um yeah. That's and respecting women, yeah. Well, it only takes that one time of showing your peers, like, do something new mm-hmm. and it works. And it's like, oh, I didn't know we could do that. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? So it's everyone has the opportunity, like Tori working in the hospital. Mm-hmm. I'll have moms that come in. They're having their second baby out of the hospital. And it's so funny because they'll say, well, if it weren't for my nurse, I never would have made it. But thanks to my nurse. And I'm like, what's yeah. your nurse's name? Tori. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Tori's She's amazing. amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, hospital birth can be amazing or, yeah. or not of hospital birth. So do you feel like, Linda, because you're talking about getting socialized into the medical way, do you feel like that created a certain amount of fear around birth, too? Um, and we're going to talk in the second half about your experiences working together in Haiti. But do you feel like there became a fear when it's like, well, what do I do when there's not that button to push or you see more bad things happen so there's a little bit more fear surrounding birth in general or I wouldn't say fear but I definitely even today would deliver in a hospital because I feel comfortable with anything that might happen could happen and most of the time it doesn't happen but if it does yeah I have backup and I appreciate that backup and help well, you tried, you wanted me to have Evie and Brock in the hospital. You're like, just, just, ha- if you just have a, you can have an unmedicated birth. You can have, it's, it'll just be like out of the hospital, in the hospital. And I'm like, who are you talking to right now? <laughs> like, no, I'm not going to do that. You should have told her to have a home birth because then she probably would I have done ended the opposite. up having a hospital well, birth. My birth with Chris was amazing. Like I was only 16. I had an epidural, but you were there. Dad was there. We And you were working on labor and delivery yeah. in Winchester at Karen the time. Was Karen was there. So I had all these people. And I don't I probably because you worked on the floor so I got special treatment but it was just I really enjoyed my birth with Chris and although we do not recommend 16 year olds having a baby god do we not don't do it but we are going to do an episode on teenage pregnancy at some point yeah (laughs) because I'm an expert but are you going to interview the mother that's me no, the mother of the teenage. <laughs> no, I'm not. I don't want to hear anything that you have to say about that time in my life. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely did not raise me to be that no. way. Um, you were a trooper, though. But I think I you, was. Get, you just get comfortable in your surroundings, mm-hmm. wh- wherever you are. Um, do you remember that time you came to visit me in when I was pregnant with Evie? And then we got, I was so pissed off at you, Mom, yeah. because... You had a, a trip planned, and mm-hmm. you were convinced I was going to have a giant 10-pound baby. And what if you have a shoulder dystocia? What are you going to mm-hmm. do then? And I'm like... Which we weren't even worried about that, because you had already had a home birth with Max, who was a giant baby. Yeah, he was 9'1". And so she talked me into a, a biophysical, a biophysical profile, profile, but I refused, of course, because you wanted me to do it. I was like, I'm not doing that. I'll just do an ultrasound and you can weigh the baby. Just measure the baby. And because I wouldn't do the whole thing, they made us sit in that room. I know. For right? hours. So you know what we did? We stole all your shit. Yeah, we so did. take that. Stole gloves and lube, lube and, and all the stuff. I'm like, take that, mom. Take that. <laughs> and then your ultrasound tech told you, don't worry, Linda. That baby weighs seven pounds. Yeah. That was wrong. wrong. Well, it made her feel better, though. I know. Yeah. She felt much better. And then Evie came out the next day, and she was Nine not seven two. pounds. No. Well, I just want to say about your births at home. I was supposed to be at every one of them, yeah. and I missed every one of right. them. Right. Yeah. The universe did not want no, us together. No, it was really strange, because <laughs> it was, was it? just real. Or did I just keep holding my babies in until you were gone? Because well, Evie was supposed to be born later. So when I, I got back from California, I was thinking, oh, I'm going to have a baby. Wrong. Yeah, I was sitting in California, no. freezing outside in the desert, listening. 
while Kyle held the phone. Yeah, and then you started panicking <laughs> because her cord snapped and there was blood, and you were like, what's uh, happening? Why is there blood? And I was like, hang up the phone. And then Susan gets on the phone and said, if you ever think I'm doing that, you're crazy. You are batshit crazy. <laughs> That's right. Your no sister-in-law. And then Kyle yeah. got on and said, is this supposed to happen like this? Yeah. Susan <laughs> Susan is Kim's sister-in-law. And her. Kyle is Kim's brother. Yeah. And Susan came to Evie's birth. Yeah, I had and a birth party. She so does not. There. And she was like, she she was not into birth. And when she's she, like, when I if I ever get pregnant, which I'm not. I'm somebody's cutting this baby out of me and I'm not breastfeeding. That's so she's she, yeah. she's sitting there and she's like, Ugh. Ugh. Here, eat a donut. Yeah, it's fine. When she went to leave, she leaned in to give me a kiss and she goes, Thank you for confirming that I will have C sections <laughs> if I ever have children. <laughs> I love her so much. And we're going to see her next month and she's I cannot wait. Yay. And Kyle too. I'm excited about Kyle. I'm, exci- I'm excited to see you, bro. All right, boss lady, what do you want to talk about next? So, um, I think that it's actually a good time to go to break. And when we come back, I want to talk all about your experiences together in Haiti where there was a meshing of out of hospital and in hospital and you guys working together and how that all worked out and what you got to see. We had a lot of babies. All right. Go to break. break. Cue the music. Oh, yeah. So the sponsor for today's podcast is once again our Patreon account. So what do you get for being one of our patrons? So today we recorded some behind the scenes footage of us recording our podcast. Probably will get more than you could ever want from us, honestly. (laughs) Sometimes we do weird, crazy dance videos. Sometimes we roll in the snow in our bathing suits, because why not? Yeah, so basically the point of this is, is that we would love to have you as a patron of our podcast. If you become a patron, there are three different levels of monetary support, and each level gives you different perks. Um, So yeah, check out our Patreon account. It's www.patreon.com slash whineaboutbirth, and we would love to have you on the Wine About Birth Patreon team. Cheers. Cheers. Welcome back from that delightful break. Hi. Hello. Every time the kids drive by in their little go-kart, it looks like Mario Kart. They're just like, zoom, zoom, in like a circle. Yeah, so sorry cute. if you can hear that, and my rooster won't shut up today for some reason. It's always something that's being loud around here. So, you two midwives, um, you had the opportunity to bring your in-hospital skills and your out-of-hospital skills together when in what was this seven six years ago you were pregnant with brock so yeah seven seven or eight years ago they went on a trip to haiti to deliver babies at a birth center there for how many weeks were you there for no not even two just under two weeks it Mm -hmm. was like 10 days or something yeah so this is an interesting thing because as we've said on this podcast kim is really frightened to leave the country at all anyway and doesn't like traveling yep which the opposite of I have no idea. How old were you when you when you backpacked Central America for three months? Fifty. And she's like, Oh my gosh, Colombia was beautiful and I'm like, You're alive? Yeah. You know, Colombia is not in Central America. Well, you went there though. Oh, well, I wanna like do Didn't you? I thought you guys did go to Colombia. That's in no. See? Do you see why She I doesn't know anything about the world. <laughs> I don't even know the capitals in our own country. No. Or where our states are. One of my favorite stories about you, Linda, is when you did go backpacking um, around Central America with Brian. And um, can you tell us a little bit about the time where you guys accidentally stayed together in a sex hotel? Yes. That Ah! was in Puerto Rico. That was in Puerto Rico? Yes. Can you tell us about it? Because that story makes me laugh really hard. Okay. So um, for my 50th birthday, Brian, my son, who was 25 at the time, decided... Instead of having a birthday party, I needed to get away. Yeah. So him and I went for a week to Puerto Rico. Well, we didn't plan ahead, so when we got there, we couldn't afford the hotels, which were like $300 a a night. That's crazy. Yeah. So we're driving by, and we see this neon sign that says hotel. So we pull in. Yeah. And we pull in, and there's like garage doors everywhere. (laughs) How nice for private parking. Yes. And I'm like, wow, at least we don't have to worry about parking space. So the guy lets us in, and uh, he looks at us like three or four times, and 
he says, oh, Brian's like, oh, my mom and I need a room. And he goes, yeah. <laughs> okay. Ow, chicken. Wow, wow. You have, you have two hours. Yeah. And you still have the... You're so, I have no idea. You're so innocent. She has no idea what no, this is. No, and you were so tired. You we guys were literally just needed to sleep. Yeah, we just needed time. to sleep. So Brian's like, two hours? He didn't even know what was going on. He yeah. goes, we want to be here for at least six hours. Oh, we can't do that. Two hours. So we go in, and there is this poster on the wall. First of all, everything's glass and neon. <laughs> and then there's posters on the wall of various articles that you could purchase. <laughs> and the prices. Oh, man. And Brian and I just started laughing and we were looking for the hidden cameras because we realized we were in a sex hotel. <laughs> Ew, with your kid. That's so weird. <laughs> well, but nobody could see his car. We got to clean did out it, his car. and Didn't it have a vibrating bed? It ha Yes, it did. <laughs> but it was $25. And by the end of the night, because Brian went out and drank with this guy, the guy realized, hey, he's with his woman and he's drinking with me. So maybe it really is his mom. <laughs> So he let us stay all night. So on the way back, yeah. same thing. He's like, hey, oh, Brian, us? come on. Yeah. We both drank with him. <laughs> and then we got to spend the whole night in a quickie, ho it was quickie hotel. Quickie hotel. <laughs> I don't know about you, but two hours isn't a quickie for me. No. <laughs> it's a longie. I want to tell it's you. way too longie. Yeah. It was the cleanest hotel I have ever been in. They wow. probably just, they probably just hose down. It. Exactly. Yes, they do. <laughs> anyway. But, you, but you've traveled all over the world. Like, see, no, not all over. You're well, so much cooler than Kim. So much cooler than me. <laughs> but you you have always said, when I die, you get nothing because I'm spending all my money on yes. travel. And I'm like, I support that. But yeah. you have been so many places. You backpacked Central America, which did you know Colombia is not in Central America? I found that out. I did too today. <laughs> so, so this trip to Haiti was like the dichotomy of, so you travel and you have stayed in sex hotels you don't travel no. at all kim no, and you I don't hate have sex for going two hours anywhere <laughs> and so you travel to this other country so she's feeling comfortable and i was six you're months not. pregnant yeah you're six months Brock. pregnant but now you are comfortable without a possible birth and you're not comfortable without a possible no. birth and here you're going to very come clear. together to deliver babies yes. out of the hospital. We're going to support each other. So tell us tell us about that experience and some of the challenges of it and what the birth centers were like because they're not like the birth centers here. No. There was one birth center we were at. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. You can talk. We So we did volunteer. We did... Um, we would do prenatal days. So we did have the opportunity to meet some of the moms. Um, but they were very short prenatals. And essentially it's like, have you taken your medication for... Mm -hmm. um, worms yeah so what is it? oh that's right yeah the so worms. they all had to start so it was like deworming medicine yeah so oh, they wow. were all it was so eye-opening and i tell people like you have no idea and here i am i don't travel but you can watch whatever you want on tv but until you're experiencing we had no electricity we had no running, running water. water we had no ac and it was like 100 degrees and i was literally dying a slow death of dehydration and it was just it was horrible to me so it was like for me, it was so eye-opening. And I know you've seen it. You've always seen it because you work with primarily Haitian women in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And so to you, hearing these stories, you were like glowing. Like she was singing and dancing with these women in labor. And like this yes. is where she belongs. She yeah. is not meant to be in a first world country. She is supposed to be with other women doing other than no. We had one towel per woman. Mm -hmm. no, we, a hand towel. A hand towel. They brought their own sheets, their own bedding. Mm -hmm. Their own food. Everything. And You and had like one trash bag or something to put over yes, the bed, right? One thing. It, it's whatever they brought. I don't. Oh, one Chuck's pad. Yeah. So now when I came home and there's you can jump in and, and 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 tell us what you remember. But I just remember when I came home, I just when we got on that plane to leave, I had never been so happy in my life. I yeah. was like, thank you, sweet baby Jesus. Also, I'll never throw a Chuck's pad away again until it's completely saturated. Yeah. Like, <laughs> That's not true. You do that now. So much. Shit and here. we're just so used to having it at our disposal. Yes. And I just I remember you talking about like how you would just be leaning over these women, just like dr sweat from your. Oh, it was horrible. I felt so bad. All over them. them, just sweating all over them. But it showed you too. I remember the strength of women because these women would ride in on mopeds, mopeds in labor. Yep. And just walk in and push out their babies. Yeah, like. It was just amazing. It was so amazing. And and I was really, I felt really good because 
the midwives who were there were so grateful to have to, a minute off to have a minute off but they didn't trust us right away they were so they were they were very welcoming and so kind and you can tell they just wanted a couple nights of sleep but also they didn't know us or trust us so they came in you and I switched off I would be the midwife you would assist me you would be the midwife I would assist you so we we got to really work together like shoulder to shoulder but I felt so honored after one birth so the first birth we did I was the midwife and you were helping me and the midwife was so like oh you guys got this I'm going to bed like I felt so that was the first time I felt good you had earned like, their trust okay. yeah right away so what the things that I said were just what clicked in in my mind on how different things were like what what struck you as like what do you remember not even getting into the birth but just how we were living and what these women were doing like what do you remember going like oh my gosh well I like you said I've been in third world countries so I know that eggs can sit on the shelf and don't have to be refrigerated yes, you know all those things yeah, so you know you don't really need to wear gloves to deliver a baby we'll tell that story later oh yes <laughs> so what I saw happening with Kim is she was having like an internal meltdown what me I see that all the time see, it's not new it's like my everyday life Watching Kim but have that an internal her meltdown. internal meltdown was about what was going on around her, not the births. Yeah, no, the births at were all my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, a vagina, I got that. Me, I was comfortable with the surroundings, but the birth part, I was having meltdowns about. Yeah, you would get <laughs> like you were so comfortable there, so comfortable eating their food. Yeah, like their their culture's food. Eat, talking to these women and. They would come in, and my mom immediately is hugging and loving them. Even if I was supposed to be the one in charge, my mm -hmm. mom would start to walk away, and they would grab at her. Aww. They would just be like, no, 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 and like, because and, and she had to keep, because I'm not a rubber lovey, and my mom, just all the women she would help, she would, it was like a Meredith. Yeah. She would stand behind them and hold them Aww. and hold their bellies, because the men were usually not there. No, it was only her allowed in a room with us. Yeah, so interesting that that's like, the birth culture too that like they yeah. would just go in and that's what that was their normal in that country so like, normal yeah well because normal would be having them at home yeah on a dirt floor yeah yeah, yeah. so if they can make it to the center and, and yeah my meltdown was just i cannot stand to not understand the language because which is my fault i'm in their space i should know how to speak their language and i don't relying on a male interpreter like it was just and then some of them did have chlamydia or gonorrhea like Syphilis. Syphilis. So yeah. I was like in a complete panic because I couldn't understand what was going on. But I quickly learned that birth is the same in every language. So that was the easy part for me. And then watching you, I was like, oh my God, my mom is so beautiful. Look at her singing and dancing. And they all sang the same birth song. So then you kept singing the birth song. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't sing. But when the time comes to resolve a dystocia, just tap me in. Well, I want to say, <laughs> though, before I went, I worked in a clinic that had almost all Haitian. Mm-hmm clients so I knew some of their language yeah. very little yeah you were able to speak to them so I could relate to some of them and I knew their culture because I learned it from them for right. five years working as their midwife even though I didn't speak their language at 100 percent so I felt comfortable with the women every morning we got woken up with their singing yeah do you Aww. remember that I love that yeah so like, beautiful oh, the women are here yeah even not not in labor they just sang they just every sang. morning and it was it was they sing everywhere yeah we should start really doing in, that in the Maybe shopping centers <laughs> have you heard me sing you don't want that no me neither it's about but the joy but the, and the, they're so, so happy and it, but it was so sad because it was when people say they don't know any better, they're fine, that's, I fucking can't even, like, go there once. Like, I was shocked because I couldn't suture a vagina. And yeah. then these women would get up with horrible tears and squat over a bowl to pee postpartum. And I'm like, that, her body's never going to be the same. And there's nothing I can do. And they're like, oh, yeah. you can, you can use this packet. And I'm like, how long has that been sitting there? And it's not even wrapped. Yeah. It was just the same equipment. It showed how privileged we really so privileged. are here and yes. how we take so much for granted. Because I remember you telling me that story. I actually wanted to talk about that because you guys had so little supplies. Like, we you had, had nothing. We brought, we yeah. brought everything. Huge amounts. And so, but, like, there's nothing to sterilize. So you said you had that mom who had this horrific tear yes. that needed to be sutured. Yeah. 
but there was no sterile sutures. No, and there was one scrubby. Yeah. But it had been used for so many months that there was only like an, a square inch left of it, and it was all disgusting. And they leave their sutures out in the sun to get sterilized. Yes. And, and that, so was, that freaked me out. Well, the, my first inkling that this was way not. So they used it on somebody else. Yeah. Yes. And then washed it. And then put it in the sun. But do you remember all we the brought instruments. all this? We brought all of these sterile gloves, and the first thing they did was take all the sterile gloves and start opening them and dumping, bumping the into a basket. And oh I'm my like, gosh! What are you doing? And they're like, sterile. Pff, we just need gloves. Like we don't care oh what my kind goodness. of gloves they are. So they had no gloves. So yeah. we brought all this equipment and all of these things, and they immediately started using all of them. But. We ha- it was just awful, and we were reusing gloves, so we yeah. had powder. Yes, and we, we did. Put, like, our hand in powder to try to get the same glove back on, or We're- turn them inside out. I was washing oh, them and then turning gosh. them inside out. And remember that water had the. I had a mom that had Polly, and she was complete. Polyhydramnios. So she was complete when she came in, but I couldn't. The bulging bag of water was so intense, and the baby's head was so high that I couldn't get to it, and so she was complete. For what, eight hours? Forever. It just didn't change. Yeah. She had so much water, and I was afraid to break her water because I didn't want... We had no hospital or no C-section yeah. room. So we had two labor rooms in an old house. It was Yeah, it was so crazy. Eventually, her water did break, and I kid you not, it was every square inch of that room was covered in water. I remember. I had a hand towel, so I was dipping the hand towel and wringing <laughs> it into a bucket. I probably did that for a damn hour trying to clean the room up. And there but was not first, even any bleach or... No. no. Oh, we did have yeah, we bleach. some bleach. A so little we, bit, though. We had a little bit of bleach, so I got all the water up that I could, and then I just like some bleach and then I used the same hand towel to push Ugh. the bleach around in the inside I'm like oh my god it's, it's fine everything's fine on the inside I'm like dying oh my god that's it I have syphilis now I'm gonna <laughs> my baby's gonna die this is horrible and and they just live this way so when yeah. people are like they don't know any better they're fine no so it was just so eye-opening to me but you thrived in it like you were just you were on it and you were in it and these women just like flocked to you Mm -hmm. it was amazing but it's it's the decisions you have to make though because i remember the way you explained that story about the sutures to me that you're like see this tear you're like i don't think her pelvic floor is going to ever be the same if i don't suture her but you were imagining running these non-sterile sutures through her perineum. Oh my god! I and so do you it. ultimately had to make the decision right. to not repair her. Right. And so it's decisions we would never have to make. Never. And here I would never make and that, decision that here. will affect them for the rest and of honestly, their lives, and you have should, no choice. I would have transferred her. I would have transferred her for a repair. Clearly, yeah. her muscles were just ruined. But yeah. There was nowhere for her to go, and then to I get just, a repair. I just remember going to see her in the next, because then we would sleep. You know, we we took shifts. So then I would get up and go check on the moms and she was squatting. She's the one that was squatting. And I was just like, oh, my God, how are you squatting right now? Like, doesn't that burn? There was no water to rinse. There were no Perry bottles. No. There's no spray to numb. These women just. We couldn't even take showers. Indoor. They just keep going. We would wait. So (laughs) Haiti, the, the government controls. Well, we're not sure. You can't say that. When the electricity comes on. That's what we were told. Yeah. You can cut that out if you think it's. So two hours a day. The electricity would come on, and it didn't matter what time of day, night. We would all be like, "Me first. <laughs> we'd jump up and run to like get everything that we needed with electricity. Oh my gosh, it was hysterical. They did well. It they would hysterical. turn on the generator if there was two women in labor, um, or was it the one? No, I think we had a generator only if they were in labor. Right, right, right. If someone came in in labor, we had it, or we'd use our lamps. Yeah, we yeah. had so, lamps. Which to me. It's so like you're going spelunking. Right. So that is my comfort zone. Like, perfect. I No, keep all the lights off. Yeah. I don't need to see a damn thing. Like, yeah. I feel much better not being able to see. But then that's when your anxiety would come in. Not that you couldn't see, but you need to see to have a baby. Like, you're a hospital provider, and yeah. you're used to the... So so why don't you guys tell that birth story? Because you were talking about how before, when Kim was becoming a midwife, you were like, how is she possibly going to do this? She's, She's so, an, airhead. Such an airhead. She's a ditz. <laughs> And so this was the first time you really got I to see like, her it, it go is. into go into her mode, <laughs> which Kim goes into like, 
work mode. Yeah. Um, so t- why don't you tell us about that s- the one birth story where the two of you you got to see how your hospital oh training gosh. and you're out of hospital training and how I that will respect. I never forget this story, and I wonder if you have other details that I leave well, out. You go for it first. Um, so we had a we had a one of the worst shoulder dystocias I've ever had, even to this day. Mm-hmm. And um, so she the head came out obviously, and then was turning purple, and it was like okay, this is happening, and I was a new. Mid, I wasn't yeah. even licensed yet when this was happening. Yeah. I've only been licensed for under eight years, and we went while well, I was still a student. You were a student. I was, I was, was your student, preceptor. And you were my preceptor signing off wow. on me. So, um, Who was about to have a panic attack. Right. You did start to panic, <laughs> and, which I've never seen my mom panic. Yeah. So my mom is like me. You're either an emergency worker or you're not. Mm-hmm. So growing up, anytime something dramatic and Kyle fell and broke his head open on the floor, like... My mom just goes completely calm. Yeah. Everyone around her will be like, ah! and my mom's like, this is what we do. <laughs> so it's like, that's where I get it from. Yeah. And my, you totally Kyle's do the that. same way. He's yeah. a nurse. <clears throat> so we just, you're, we're emergency workers or we're just, that's how we are. So I had, I have never in my life seen my mom panic until that moment. And I was like, what's happening and I think in that moment you had never seen me Mm-mm. do what I do so it was like we're both looking at these weird so she had a dystocia and I couldn't what I usually would do didn't work didn't work right away and so I was like okay the baby's stuck and we need turtling to- right right and and then there was just no movement but it was weird because I could feel it wasn't the posterior shoulder it was the anterior shoulder was stuck mm-hmm. And, and so, and why don't you talk a little bit about what, how, cause at that point, if you were in a hospital, yeah, what you have you... a, well, I would have definitely turned her on all fours, which is what we did. Yeah. And she was rocking, but there was no movement yeah. to None. that baby. None. Would you have cut an episiotomy at I that would point? definitely have cut an episiotomy. But usually in the hospital at that point, you push a button first. Well, no, I would have cut the episiotomy first. Okay. Gotcha. And then if that didn't work, then I would have pushed the button. Yeah. Button. And so... And I could see as the as the moments were ticking by, you actually started pacing or something. Like you you got up, like you were just kind of stepping back and forth and back and forth. And I was talking to you, but I think you had a moment where you just sh- shut down like, for a second. This baby has to come out, because and it, we're we, not doing it right. Yeah. Like we had already done everything you would have done, right. And it didn't work. So there was. What do you do next? And so that's where I come in. There's no fucking easy button mm-hmm. out of the hospital. So I'm getting more and more calm, and she's getting more and more, not like anxious, p- anxious, but I knew she was anxious. It's mm-hmm. not like people would look at her and go, she's freaking out. Yeah. But I n- had never felt that energy come off of I my mom. I was freaking before. out. She was absolutely freaking out the way I do anytime we get on an airplane. Yeah. So <clears throat> the midwife, I, I said, flip her back over. And we flipped her back over, and, the, and there was another midwife in the mm-hmm. room. And she started doing super fundal. intense fundal pressure. Which is the worst thing you can do if you're having a dystocia. Which was shocking to me. So for a second, I just looked we at her We both were like, stop! So you smacked her. I did. And my mom... I pushed her arm away. You like, smacked what are you her hand first. And then it was like a smack and push. smack. And I was like, oh my God. I've never seen my mom smack anyone except for me with a paddle every day. <laughs> no, <laughs> A wooden spoon. So you, you actually... We flipped her back over... And they started doing fundal pressure, and then you said, we need help. You have to ask for help. And you were telling the the um, interpreter, like, call for help. And I turned, and I was like, we are the fucking I help. There's no easy button. This is our job. Stop talking. And you were like, okay, okay. And I said, flip her back over. And so we flipped her back over, and I did the Ritkin maneuver, which I would never usually do, and it's used for a chin. Mm-hmm. But it, the baby's chin wasn't stuck. The shoulder was stuck. So I went in her rectum, found the baby's shoulder, popped it out, and then went in and did the rest and delivered the baby. And then I just looked at you like, and I was what like, the hell <laughs> was that? For the record and future, there's no button to push. And we're like going back and forth that the baby had just come out. And I'm like, holy shit, you can do this. Yes. And you were like, no, you go, you do know what you're doing. That's what you said. And I was like, really? And so then it was just so. Really, mom? Right, really? And then you were visibly shaken, like, like I could tell. So after that birth, you walked out of the room to like gather yourself around or gather yourself up, and I was start just start breathing like, again. But I had never seen you not be able to like do something because you were the fixer. So I was like, and you'd never seen her be able to do something. No, <laughs> she's just an airy ditzy person walking around. Having no, it was premarital sex and popping babies out. I think 
that particular that never moment never happened in a totally different country where we couldn't speak the language. Yes. We actually learned so much about each other. Yes, and it was so weird. It was like it was like this one minute of like total revelation. And so we talked after that birth, and she said, I'm so sorry. I truly thought you knew nothing. I really didn't realize what out-of-hospital midwives do, even though I am a midwife too. I thought mm -hmm. I never had that experience before. Right. So, so then I was like, that was weird. I've never seen you not. Well, I've had shoulder like, dystocias before, but I never thought to stick my finger in a rectum. I don't know why. Because you never did. You never had to. It's like if, if one thing doesn't work, you have to keep doing something But I else. would have cut the episiotomy, right. but I knew because of the previous woman that we had no sutures. No, and yeah. we also had no episiotomy scissors anyway. So no. what, what were we going to do? I guess I could have. We could have found something, but it the was the kitchen like, scissors. The probably. kitchen, go to the kitchen. No, I mean I would I would rip a bottom open. You can you can do yeah. that. So it was <laughs> it sounds terrible. That's but, what he said. But I have done it before. Like I've used my own hands to you know cause that to happen. So it was just so funny because to me, birth and emergencies are my like oh she's bleeding to death. Step aside, I got this. But when it comes to like traveling and being in another culture so in that moment both of our comfort zones got completely shattered yeah i couldn't speak to the mom because she didn't speak my language so i was you couldn't resolve the distortion <laughs> yeah so she's just rubbing more like and let me just rub your butt more so it was just a giving cool, the midwife a dirty look yeah it was the a hell cool out look. of this room i can't believe you smacked another human being well it was more like a push she was going to do more harm audible. than good it was audible i could hear it it probably felt like it was a push, but in your moment of high adrenaline, it was probably more than a push. She punched her and she hit the wall and fell. No, that was not true. But she, but the midwife. Welcome to the a the England family, I bitches. <laughs> I am not Back in England. Up. Not now, but you were at the time. You are the matriarch of the England children. So. That's true. <laughs> so it was just, and that that midwife, like we did apologize to her, and then we and then she learned something. Yeah, she did. We're like, you can't, you'd never do that. And she said, I didn't know what else to do, so I just started pushing. Yeah. So that so moment. So the three of us had a like a. Yeah. Learning experience. It was such a learning experience. I learned that you can panic. <laughs> and I learned, I learned that you know how to get a baby out. And I learned without that you a button. Rely, yeah, and you rely way too much on the easy button, but you don't you can, but you wouldn't have to. If you were out, if if I wasn't there, like I used to tell Meredith when she was a student, mm -hmm. if I wasn't there, you would have you would have fixed it. Because it's then just, you are forced to just keep yes, going and until you figure it out. Because that's who you are. So if I wasn't in that room, you would have been the calm one because Somebody has to be the calm one, and it's mm. usually you. I want to tell the story about my mom making a dive catch that would have made any Yankee proud. Yes. Uh, Mets. Not Yankees. Mets. Okay. <laughs> Oriole. Brave. Whatever. Eh, whatever. They're it was an amazing catch. It was. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't have done it. So we, a mom came in. She just walked in. She yeah. wasn't even a, a patient of theirs so with this long have to dress tell on. this story because I didn't see the... That when she was walking in, I was still upstairs. So we were all shopping outside on the deck because some women oh, brought yeah. their crafts in. Yes. And I guess you went upstairs to get your money. Yeah, yeah. And this woman came walking in, and we never saw her before, and the midwives had never saw her before. And she just wasn't acting right. Like, she, <laughs> she wasn't yelling or crying or screaming, but she was kind of, like, squatting and groaning. <laughs> like, pushing, maybe? And, yeah. And so I walked in to find you to tell you that I think this, I think we need help down here. Yeah. And I turn around, and she's doing this little squatty thing. But yeah. I can't see because her dress is all the, all way, the way down to, to the her floor. floor. <laughs> so just instinct said, you need to get under that dress. <laughs> but I was like halfway around, halfway across the floor trying to find you. So I just ran and dove. Literally, and that's, my, that's when I <laughs> came in. I was slid. sliding yes, on the I floor. I came in, and you were like midair. And I was like, mom. And then the baby came out. The baby fell right in my hands. Yes, it was, it was like crazy. And then instead of like talking to the mom, she turned her head up to the stairs and goes, Kim, did you see that? Did you see what I just did? And I was like, oh, my God, that was amazing. So we're all like, we're Ooh. happy. And the other midwives are like, oh, my God, you didn't have gloves she on. She panicked, might have. But we didn't know why she no, was No, because we didn't understand the language. Right. And then you were like, oh, I'm not wearing gloves. No. But you never would have made it. I never would have thought to put gloves on. <laughs> anyway, and the mother's looking at me like, 
Is that my baby? Yeah. What happened? <laughs> what happened? Was that? Her? And she's still standing. Yeah. Linda's like, well, it's not my baby. Yeah, Someone take it. I sure didn't push it out. My vagina's still upstairs. <laughs> it was just Kim's really on my pelvic funny. floor was, right now from the other side of the room. And so. the, everybody was looking at us like it was like a big circle of women saying, what just happened here? It was as I'm holding this baby awesome. in my arms. I just wish I had a picture of that, like, forever. <laughs> that would be, like, in my dining room uh, for everyone to look at while yes. they're eating. But that happening, I realized, and I think I said this to you at the time, I can do this. Yes, of course you can. This is, birth is birth everywhere. Yeah. yeah it's all the same. It, and that's why And I you like don't birth. need a button. It's nope. universal. But you take the button anyway. <laughs> I will take the button anyway. Yes, I will. I don't need this button. It's like, we don't need... Anything that we, I don't need that hot tub, but I'm not giving it up. <laughs> yeah, I like that hot tub. <laughs> yeah, I like yeah, but for 10 tub. days, I gave up the button. You did give up the button, and that was your, like, your learning moment. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I, I don't know if I ever, that obviously did not learn to be comfortable traveling. No, I think <laughs> that actually that. increased your anxiety. It was horrible, but now, because we would go into the village, and there was just hundreds of people, and I couldn't understand. Like a town? Yes. Anywhere in the United States yes. or any other country? But I could hear someone talking, and so at one point, I said, what are they saying? Yeah. And the interpreter goes, you do not want me to repeat what they just said to oh you. Oh, my And gosh. I was like, do you see? Do you? Oh, my God. And they what? were armed. Yes, they were armed. Everyone was armed. Well, we no, our guard. guard. We yeah, had to go everywhere guard. with an armed guard. And then we finally, which I finally was freaking, came out. It was. I'm like, why do we need an armed guard? And they're like, oh, people come in, and I'm like, what? What? They come in and they steal and they write. No, I don't want to be here. And then we finally, I got the courage to walk into town because I wanted to call Chuck. We had no. There's no way for us to communicate with our families. No, at we all. were really locked in the compound. Yeah, we, we never left twice. Twice or three times we got to leave Tw- with the armed guard. It might have been once. No, it was that, twice because we went up oh, to the church. To, because we wanted we wanted to walk and get a phone card. Mm-hmm. He's like, if you want to call your family, you have to walk. And this guy, it's like this under-the-table dealer will deal you um, a minute card. Oh and then you gosh. can come back and use it. And I'm like, oh, my God. So we walk to this store. I'm in a complete panic. And he's like, we really do want to get back before dark. dark. It's not safe here. And I was like, but it was oh, a beautiful walk. Oh, my God, it's not safe. I'm freaking out. And you were like, oh, don't be ridiculous. So then these men were yelling stuff at us as we were walking. So, so I, that would be like New York City. But I couldn't understand it. So then we go into the store, but we are all like piddling. So we don't get to the store until it's dark. So then I know we have dusk. to walk home. Dusk. Listen. And the electricity went well off while listen, we were Linda. in the store. Listen, Linda. And then the electricity did go off <laughs> in the store. And I was like, don't panic. <laughs> and you're like, oh, my God. Look, look, look at all the stuff you can see with the lights off. Isn't this amazing? And I'm having a freaking anxiety attack in the corner. I'm afraid to move. And he's like, we should all probably stay together. He just kept saying things he to reaffirm. Calm. No. Yeah, that, real calm. Well, I, I thought it was calm. funny that you didn't get any money. Haitian money, and she thought she was going to spend U.S. dollars. <laughs> I cannot confirm that, that was true. <laughs> so before to get her phone card. <laughs> Shut up, Mom. So before we wrap this up, because we need to start wrapping it up, is there anything else um, that you wanted to, that you learned from birth in Haiti Yeah, that I, you want to? I just learned that our culture is, we are so privileged. Like, that was my first experience with privilege. Like, yeah. Or I knew how much I had. I knew how little they had. And then when I came back, I really struggled to support women, white, privileged women. Like, mm-hmm. because they would come in at four centimeters thrashing and screaming and crying. And, and that's normal. Like, that's mm-hmm. a normal behavior. But those women in the DR did not do that. Like, they didn't act that way. Like, or I'm sorry, in Haiti. They didn't act that way. They, it, they were so, like... This is my job and I'm doing it like the end. So I struggled to support my culture for the first couple months when I came back because they'd be like, I don't want that sheet. There's a spot on it. And I'm like, I can't. I'm walking away. And I did. Like there were several times I left a room and Katie would have to like, well, not Katie, whoever, Tiffany that I was with at the time. I'm like, you you just, you have to, like, I have to leave for a minute. Yeah. So I just learned how much we have here. and, And then I was so grateful moving forward and I still am like I will not throw away a chucks I'll fold it over Mm -hmm. and use the other half that's not ruined you know yeah that's what I learned I also learned I'm not meant for travel and I also learned that I really need a hot shower 
We're still working on uh, the travel thing with you. Yeah. One day we might get you comfortable well, with that. Well, that's why I'm learning Spanish now, because I'll be yeah. comfortable when I can communicate. I don't want to rely on someone else yeah. to communicate for me. That's it. What about you, Linda? Do you have any thoughts that you want to say before we wrap this up? I, I just want to say I truly enjoyed finally working with my daughter. I know. That was our dream in the beginning. In the beginning. <laughs> that's where we thought we were going, and that was the only two weeks that we ever did it i know and we're still both midwives and i don't know what's going on there but well eventually we'll both live in florida it was just a really great experience (laughs) and and wherever she was deficient which was the travel i could rally yeah and whenever i had a panic she could rally rally. look at us we could work together yeah we could we're more alike than you think Mm, you are and i love you she's like me without the foul language yeah Mm -hmm. um no i'm i'm not as verbal as you i think it yeah I don't say it. <laughs> so that means you're still like, you just don't say it out loud. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm proud of, of what you're doing, like working, even though you're not delivering babies now. Like anytime someone gets to have you in, in their journey, it just makes it so much better. Like you're such a light mom. One day I'll get there. Well, women deserve to be respected. Yes, they do. And in the world now, before, they haven't been. Right. And so I find something perfect about every woman and I comment on it. Oh, see. And then Aww. they do see will feel good it? about themselves. They, yes, yes, they do. I like love to say you have a beautiful vagina. Yeah. yeah. Uh. Like, thank you. Well, I well, I don't say that, but you know, try it once. It's really awesome and empowering. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am honored to be in you, your lives, you beautiful lights. You're beautiful. Light. You honor me with your presence every time you're around me. And she honors us with actual presence. Yes, yeah. she, she does. So many actual presents. presents. So I think your words were the best words to close out our episode with that women everywhere are beautiful mm-hmm. and you deserve respect and you should demand respect. Yes, you should. Yeah. And the only other thing we have to say is... Cheers! Cheers! Cheers!